0: You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Cavaliers Podcast your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are still always interesting, even though LeBron James now plays for the Lakers. I am Chris Manning, your host from ForTheSword.com, and today's show is the reaction to LeBron's new home. He obviously, as you're listening to this, is now a Laker. A four-year, $154 million deal has LeBron leaving Cleveland for a second time. Uh, Ashley Bastock from Fear the Sword and any of the Sports Insiders is my guest, breaking it all down. We're going to have more in the coming days. This was right after a quick vacation for me, so we'll have a deeper dive into every angle of this in the coming days at Fear the Sword and on this podcast. But uh, here's today's show, and thanks for listening. Ashley, with the breaking news on Sunday, and that is LeBron James going to the Lakers on a four-year $154 million deal. He's signing with the Lakers, leaving the Cavs for a second time, announced via a Clutch Sports Group press release on Twitter and Instagram. LeBron's gone now a second time. The Cavs are left to, to start a new again without him uh, in a different situation than the last time, and, and this happened in a different way than last time as well, with the title being the big the reason why. But when you saw this news, when you saw that news come through on Twitter, what was your initial reaction to this?
1: It was very much a reaction that of surprise but I don't know why I was surprised as I was because I think I knew deep down in you know my gut that this is what was going to happen like it was very obvious especially over these last couple of weeks that it was either going to be the Cavs or it was going to be the Lakers Um, The first time I really started to get concerned was when we found out that LeBron was not going to be meeting directly with the Cavs, and that's something he did in 2010 to the Cavs, and it's something he did in 2014 to the Heat, so now all of these times that he's changed teams in free agency, he's cut off contact, so that was, I mean... Let's be real. We've been talking about the writing on the wall since like the beginning of the season. I feel like ever since they, even before the beginning of the season, when the Cavs didn't bring Bre- back uh, David Griffin and when they traded Kyrie Irving. Um, but that to me was really like sealed the deal almost for, oh, yeah, this is very much a real possibility. I was almost surprised at how like there was no pomp and circumstance to this announcement at all, just a straight up. Screenshot of a press release on the Clutch Sports Group social media pages. So um, we see these announcements have gotten less, less and less grand each time he's done them uh, throughout his career. But I, I guess I got to say, not too stunned. Uh, definitely not as stunned as I was in 2014 when he came back.
0: Yeah, I I'm not surprised by this. So I think the wind was blowing this way. Everything we had read, everything the the sort of vibe around all of this t- to me really seemed to indicate that this was inevitable um I it's I think if you're looking at this from covering the team I think it's it's certainly going to make things a little bit less interesting obviously I think that the team now enters this r- reality of a bunch of unknowns you my my uh, the LeBron part of this aside which we're going to talk more about because he's the the star of all this the thing that with the Cavs is very interesting to me and and going forward is I just don't know what exactly their next move is they I think have clear paths they should they can and and in my opinion should take Also, we don't know um and there's just a lot of decisions they have to make that are so tied to this now their offseason really starts you know you have Rodney Hood's restricted for agency you have you know, Jeff Green's a free agent. Uh, do you have interest in bringing him back in this context? Summer, your summer league and, and developing these guys certainly takes a different tone. That, you know, you have Larry Nance's con- possible contract extension. You have all these decisions and unknowns you have to sort of account for now. And the big picture is, like, what as a franchise, do you um, rebuild? Do you try to play the middle ground? I mean, I think that's sort of what the next couple of days are really going to tell us, is are the Cavs going to try to play for the middle ground, or are they going to try and bottom out and keep the pick that that's top 10 protected the next two seasons and if it goes and conveys to the Hawks the to look at this to, to, to look at for a second I think very clearly what is maybe most interesting to me about this is something that did not come through in their press release and it wasn't explicitly stated but the vibe around all of this comes from this Ramona Shelburne tweet and from the it being a four-year contract uh, Ramona Shelburne who's as plugged in in LA as anybody tweeted this uh, so they said, quote, the Lakers had felt a sense of urgency this week to find a co-star for LeBron, either PG or Kawhi. However, when Magic spoke to James late Saturday, he assured them this was a long-term play and his decision wouldn't be affected by a transaction that, that, that could make under a time pressure. So, basically, LeBron is committing to the Lakers for that four And it, this is something that, if you go back to David Griffin, you go back to, to Gilbert, some of the friction there, LeBron was never willing to commit Full, full stop to the Cavs, right? Like, he, he could have signed different Macs at different times. He could have never done the one-plus-ones. Like, he went to Miami. It was a four-year deal. He goes here. There's a player option on that fourth year, but this is a four-year commitment, minimum of three-year commitment. There's time for them to plan. They don't have to rush out and, and do a bunch of stuff right now. I think that, to me, is just... it's. I think that, when you look at this, and he may not say this publicly, um, you know, no one may say this publicly, but to me, when you see that, All I really think is that tells you how much LeBron never really was able to trust the Cavs organization and trust Dan Gilbert in a way that made him comfortable and sticking around for the long haul.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the only way this makes sense, right? Is that he felt like with the Cavs that he had to have that kind of control year to year. Um, And whether that's because the relationship with Gilbert was never really truly salvaged after 2010 um you know that kind of is only for LeBron to know but that's where all signs sort of point
0: to for me are you su- are you surprised at all that he I mean just in, and we don't know we don't know what he's thinking obviously we he, he we know he's not going to say anything right now um he I think his first public comments right now are scheduled for like july 30th at a school opening in akron as far as i know yeah which which that's fascinating in its own right but and he had the instagram posts that they threw up but i am very like not i'm not surprised by the fact that he's like going to la and that like this could be the last stop of his career what is surprising to me is that he is seemingly not like was not let's trade everything now to get these guys because to some, we don't we don't know exactly, or if they're gonna you know deal multiple picks for or multiple young guys and picks for Kawhi Leonard tonight or tomorrow morning that could still happen. But if he's patient about this and he gives them time to figure this out and he settles in and then maybe make a deal later on or they do some other stuff, that is like sort of very different than than getting Kevin Love when he came back came back to Cleveland and and the push to get Kevin Love and and yes there was some belief that he needed time to let that situation develop. But if they don't get Kevin Love, it's just like what? What's the appeal for LeBron? It's that doesn't seem to be the case this time, and that in itself, at a later stage in his career, to me is is a fascinating wrinkle to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just to add in the fact he's going there without another superstar in tow, and he's going, he's making the jump to the Western Conference, which is what I always said. If he doesn't go to the Lakers, if he doesn't go West, if he stays here, it's going to be because it's. It's just the fact that with the way the league is right now, the Eastern Conference is easier. It's the easier path to the finals. But now you look at all these roadblocks he's going to have to go through to get back to the finals for a ninth consecutive time. And it really is kind of mind-boggling that he not only made this decision, but made it and assured Magic Johnson That, yeah, I I don't need that second, you know, superstar to be there waiting for me, uh, for me to feel comfortable making this decision. So, I mean, for me, what it just boils, what it all ends up boiling down to is what we touched on earlier, that I think he's shown by signing this deal, by doing it without another superstar in place for Los Angeles, that he has more trust in that organization than he had in dan gilbert and in cleveland when he came back here um and is it fair to blame all of this on dan gilbert no absolutely not but for me the one thing that i can't that i could never get past this season was not bringing back david griffin and really you look at everything that transpired since the Cavs let David Griffin go somebody who LeBron was close with um and it's really hard to shake how things would have been different had he if he was still here like and you know there's no guaranteeing that LeBron James stays if Griff got a new contract with the Cavs uh but it's just really hard for me to sort of see past that as the turning point um and like I said, I don't think it's at all one thing when it comes to any decision that LeBron makes. But that for me is really like the biggest thing that I just can't uh, get over.
0: David Griffin, or, and then it's funny to mention him, said on NBA TV that he, he thought LeBron was always going to leave at some point, which is just sort of interesting considering he could have been trying to be the one making keep trying to keep LeBron to stay right now. I don't—I I, don't—it's really tough to, like, look at this, I think, in the moment. I think there, there's so much that we don't know um, about. The Cavs have have not said anything yet. It's 10, 9.39 as we record this. They have not said a single thing yet. LeBron only has that one Instagram post. There's a lot of fallout here still to come. Um, Maybe—we're probably not getting a letter again, but I, I think there's certainly some some fallout to come from the Cavs side of this. It's hard to kind of crystallize LeBron's Cavs legacy right now, but I think compared to last time in particular, there is no, there should be no jerseys burned, in my opinion. There should be no anger towards this guy. He did this in a very subtle way. I think you could certainly look back at the last four years, and, and we will do that at some point, maybe not today, but and look at some of the failures the Cavs had and, and where some of the fallout of this happened. Um, the Cavs... Sort of failed LeBron. Ultimately, I think that's that's kind of my read on, and I can't blame him for leaving. I also think his legacy is the greatest player in franchise history with the greatest accomplishment in franchise history. With the most iconic play in Cavs history is secure. There is an, I, it, it is sort of certainly a Cleveland native's take on this more than someone else, but like the block in winning that title will mean that one title will mean more than I think any other title he ever wins or has ever won. And I think his legacy for now and forever should just be secure as a cav. He, he, he can he could never come back again. He could trash Dan Gilbert tomorrow and, and whatever. I think his legacy is the greatest cav and the most important Cav ever should be secure. And I think I frankly I can't I there's no other read on that. And he, he is the right to whatever he wants to do. It's gonna suck for fan, the fan base to watch him go play in LA and it's gonna be weird when he comes back. But he has the right to do this and I think he's again, the the well just what he has already done is already secure forever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you basically 100%. Like, I don't think I can say it much better than you did. But just the fact that that 2016, there was so much that played into that 2016 title. Just the fact that it was the first title for the city in 52 years, the fact that it was the first title for the Cavs franchise, Ever the fact that it was LeBron making good on this promise to bring a title back home that was the unfinished business that he felt like he had here. And, you know, I think you and I even talked after and during the finals when he was talking about playing with wanting to play with cerebral teammates and talking about that 2016 title. He just seemed like he was talking like somebody who was at peace with the decision that he knew he was going to have to make like I think deep down that LeBron knew where this was going and for me when he kind of he held court right before game four of the finals at that practice session and talked for about like 20 minutes and basically just sort of was diatribing about yeah this that's that's why this is why I left Cleveland in 2010 was because I wanted a chance to play with these cerebral guys. Um, And then saying that was part of the reason why he came back in 2014. And that Kyrie Irving was a big part of that. uh, And wanting to be able to mold him as a player helped to mold him as a player anyway. And I just think that too was was part of the reason why I wasn't so surprised by this. But um as far as his legacy is concerned it's yeah i think it's it's cemented at this point there's going to be people that are mad like you said it does stink for the fan base um and i don't really blame those people for being mad like i don't think he deserves to have his jersey burned this time around uh but you know it is what his fans are gonna be upset because of just how much he means to this franchise
0: yeah, I I can. I'm already just waiting for the schedule to be released and for us to find out when he's gonna be back because that's good. that that and like the environment of that game and like everything about it is just gonna be really really fascinating. And if and if he doesn't speak between now and July 30th, that in itself is is quite a bit too. Um, to so look at this from the Cavs side of things, there's a whole bunch of questions. We're not gonna get to everything on this podcast, but they face a lot of tough questions now um there's there's reporting out there that they want to they were gonna pre this obviously that they wanted to keep Kevin Love regardless of what happened with LeBron you had you know they want to keep Sexton I think they're certainly less likely to go in all on like a trade for like a Kemba or something now that seems way off the table they have a lot of choices they could bottom out they could try to play the middle ground the vibe I get is that this is a team that is gonna play for the middle ground I find that to be a very very tricky path to walk I think the the having LeBron and what he does for your franchise, I think, masks a lot of the problems. I've had a couple people tweet me that this is a playoff roster in the East. If they just, like, get the right development out of Sexton and make the right signings, I think that is kind of crazy. I love Kevin Love. I think he's great. I think Jetty's going to be better in year two. I think Nance is good. Tristan's good. You have good players. Ty's a good coach. LeBron masks so many problems for your franchise and, and made so many things workable for you that not having him is just a huge issue. There's no way to replace that guy. They they have a 38-minute-a-game gap at small four now, and no lead ball handler, no lead shot creator, no, no good ball distributor on the team anymore. They have all these needs they have to fill. That's a big question, and like, is it is it smart for them at all to not bottom out? They have this top-10 protected pick, they have the Hawks one of the next two years, Keeping that pick, to me, the next two years is the best way to start restocking your talent. You don't have a lot of other assets. You want to add to Nance and uh, to Jetty and to Zizic and to Collin Sexton. Keeping those picks the next years is the way to do that. And I think also trying to get second-run picks, trying to get other first-run picks by flipping Corver, JR, maybe buying out JR, frankly, um, Kyle Corver. Maybe Kevin Love trading it for as much as you could get for him. Tristan, I mean, the the money's tough, and some of these guys' monies will just run out sooner rather than later if you want to just have the young guys with those guys, and I think that you could keep some of them around. But I don't really think playing for the middle ground is the right path for them, but I, I that is the vibe I get right now from the Cavs when thinking about what they might do, and that that's that's concerning.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around where they go from here. I mean, I think, I think that they are at least serious about keeping Kevin love at least right now. Now, do I necessarily believe everything that is going to be leaked out of the front office in the coming weeks? No, absolutely not. Um, But it, like you said, there is just such a gap when LeBron James leaves your team that it it's hard to imagine any scenario that this the season doesn't at least start terribly, right? It's either going to start terribly because the Cavs have decided to just completely phone it in and say, you know, we're we're not too worried about this season right now. We're going to kind of accept that it is what it is. Or does it, you know, start terribly just because this is an impossible adjustment to make? That, that's the thing. I me. Mean, there is no replacing LeBron James. You can maybe you can bandage it as best as you can, but there's no replacing him for this Cavs franchise. Nothing they do is going to bring them anywhere near the level that we've seen them the last four years. Um, and that is... I think that's just the reality that we live in right now. Um, but I'm kind of in no, I think I'll, the other thing I definitely agree with you on anything like a Kemba Walker deal, that's definitely gone now. Um, the Cavs just don't have any assets that people I think really want that they're willing to part with a ton for like Charlotte was never going to take jr smith or tristan thompson for Kemba walker that doesn't make any sense for them um so there there's only so much that they could do up until this point to try to make this roster something that was enticing enough for lebron james
0: to stay there's just like a lot that we just don't know and like we don't we don't know much of anything I mean the Cavs I think did a you and I you and I have joked about this off podcast and in talking but like the Cavs sort of sell, try to like have been trying to sell stuff more than they normally have right like they're they're you know talking about being in the player development business and like kind of not really being as honest as like Griff might have been I, I think in the, in the Kobe Altman era that's a trait of, of what they're trying to do and then you look at just like what they're facing, I, we don't have like a track record for anything. I think that's part of this that is, to me, just one of the the the, the trickiest parts of evaluating what's next. It's like we, this group does not have a track record of of what like they're gonna do. Like Kobe Allman is is basically a year into this job. Dan Gilbert has never overseen. Um, a, a team that was trying to build in this way. If you look at what happened last time, things just got really lucky, and they didn't have the type of assets to trade off or keep for the middle ground. Like you had um, a couple tricky things to to manage, but nothing like this, where you had a couple of different paths you could take or try to play both of them. Like th- th- we just don't know. And like, look, they have they have Sexton, they have they have Jetty. They have Zizic. I'm a big fan of Jetty. I'm a big fan of Zizic. Sexton. I have been talked into him. They're gonna have chances to get other young guys. Like they have. They're. I mean, they're gonna have a Carl White, and they're gonna. They've signed some other guys. We have no idea if any of these guys are actually good. Right? Like Jetty could end up being like just meh. Like right. Like I think he's gonna be good, but he could also just end up being kind of. Like a a vanilla replaceable wing player, that's possible. Sexton could be a point guard that never figures out how to shoot or play quality NBA defense, and, and to some degree, and that that's like, do you want a mental moody on your team? You do you don't want that guy on your team, and like that unknown of this, and like just having those being like the if those are the eggs in your young player basket, that's really risky to me. But it, it would not it would not shock me <clears throat> if they try to start the season and like the starting lineup is George Hill jr. jetty, Kevin Love and, and Tristan or Larry. and like that's what they roll into through the until the trade deadline and then they maybe have a big fire sale then. but I think it would not shock me if they try to do something like that and that there there's something far less appealing about that as opposed to okay, we're gonna trade. Kyle, and we're going to trade, we're going to buy out JR, and we're going to, you know, maybe we're going to hang on to Kevin and George for a little bit, but we're going to like invest in our youth. There's something much more concerning and like less appealing about like going all the way in on the vets with the young guys sort of playing supporting roles as opposed to trying to balance them and actively looking to get as many assets as you can for these guys while they still have value. Because every day you get closer to them becoming a free agent, they do lose value. And, Kyle, like, what if Kyle Corver? hurts his foot again. And like, what does that do to his value? You can't trade him then. Right. And you know, could you, what if Kevin Love gets injured again? You can't trade him then either. It's, it's to me, it's almost better to get ahead of this now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, especially with Kevin Love, I mean, he, he can walk after this next season. So, I mean, part of me wonders if they're, they're not just saying right now. Yeah. We, we have every intention of keeping Kevin Love. Um, but, but, I wouldn't be surprised if what that really means is we have every intention of keeping Kevin Love through the February trade deadline to kind of see where he can get his numbers now that he is going to be the number one scoring option, most likely. Um, But that, you know, it, it is that's that's where the Cavs you know, ran into trouble with signing these vets who have not, you know, specifically talking about Jr. and Tristan here, who have not lived up to the money that they are now owed. You know, that that's where how you get into these kind of messes. And, yes, when you have LeBron, it's always a gamble. You are playing to win now and the future be damned, kind of. Um, but now we're in – the Cavs are in that opposite – position you can't just think well future be damned now the future kind of has to be the priority when LeBron James isn't on your roster and you're not going to win the finals next year so this is the first time the Cavs have been in that position since 2014 Um, and I kind of agree with you that they need to find a way to take advantage of it
0: all right let's wrap it up on this Ashley we are we're we're gonna have much more after the sort of non on Cavs in the coming days, and, and you'll be writing, and I'm sure you'll come back on the pod. But when you look at the next 48 hours for the Cavs, and you look at what's next for them, and assuming they have they have to move on now, what do you what are you looking for as as far as what would what to you is the next step for them? What what are you ho- looking to see if they do as free agency has already just sort of happened, and they're obviously not involved as of yet and they don't have a lot of cap space but when you look at in this post LeBron world now that they know that that is getting him back is no longer an option what do you what are you looking for as far as tipping their hand is what's to come
1: I honestly feel like I have not even had time to wrap my mind around it that <laughs> I've just been like the Cavs have been so focused on what is LeBron doing um that it kind of he's left a LeBron james size vacuum in his wake uh, for not just the team, but for the people that cover the team, uh, for all of that. But, I mean, for me, it kind of boils down to what we just talked about in a way. I think we're going to see by what they do with some of these vets that are currently on their roster, um, is this a team that is going to invest in the veterans for the now because they don't want to be a 20-win team next season, or, or is this a team that's going to prioritize, you know, becoming it being in the business of player development, like we were sold on draft night or were tried to, you know, what they tried to sell us on draft night. But, um, realistically, I think that's what you do. You look and see, okay, do they buy out any of these guys? Do they, you know, convert on trades for any of these guys? Uh, and that will kind of, for me at least point me in which direction they're going to go towards at least, Prior to that February trade deadline, and you know, I think once we see that, they're probably going to stick to that strategy.
0: Yeah, that that to me is the thing. I was like, let's see what moves the Cavs make now. Let's see. I want to see what they say about it um publicly. We just, I want to know. It's it's not like this is like a report now that they can like ignore. Like LeBron's agency announced this. Like this is this is real. And I, I just wanna see how Gilbert reacts. I wanna see what Altman has to say. I wanna see what the how the team does talk about it. And I, I think we are we are getting close to summer league. We're getting close to them needing to get involved in the free agency market. I think these next this next five days are gonna be a busy five days for the Cavs. Their summer officially starts now and it doesn't start off on a good note, losing LeBron is i think something no team wants i think this is certainly their this was the the doomsday scenario for them you're it's really really going to be impossible to some degree to ever fully do this correctly um without him they've never this this is their chance to me if they want to like actually look like a competent organization without lebron this is the time to do it and we're i guess we're going to find out but I, 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 as we get away from this, I do wonder if we're going to keep coming back to the beginning of what we talked about that, you know, Dango, There's one guy that sort of, he maybe doesn't deserve all the blame, but a lot of the blame. And I, I wonder if that's in six months in a year when LeBron retires, writes a book, whatever, when it comes back to that, I wonder if that's what we come back to that. It just soured at the top and there was just never a trust there. Even if he did maybe want to stay or, at least wanted better reasons to, to think about staying.
1: And, I mean, I think if we do find out down the line that that was the primary reason, like, to me, that almost makes it so much worse, because it's like, uh, like, you know what I mean? Then it feels like, okay, if there's a bunch of different factors, then there's no way to prevent this, but... You know, if it really is just this one thing and if it's that he really just couldn't get past this Dan Gilbert mess, then it's like, oh, oh, wow. Like it it just doesn't seem worth it to me in a way Um, not to have to go through this rebuilding again or whatever you want to call it. Um, But, yeah, that's I guess that's that's life post LeBron.
0: Yeah, and we will just again, we will not be going anywhere. This is not, uh, that we're gonna feel the sword lockdown calves. My work, I, I'm thinking I speak for Ashley as well, is not gonna be going anywhere. We're gonna be covering everything pretty crazily over the next couple of days, but you can find Ashley on Twitter at AshleyBastDoc42. Ashley, thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks again to Ashley for coming on. You can find her again on Twitter at AshleyBastDoc42. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Locked On Cavs. Again, this podcast is not going anywhere. Fear the Sword is not going to go anywhere with or without LeBron. We'll be here covering the Cleveland Cavaliers on a daily basis, doing everything we can to give you, the listener, you, the Cavs fan out there, all the information you need about this team. And again, there are going to still be a lot of things to come in the coming days. I really believe you're going to see a wild couple days with the Cavs, but stay tuned. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Monday. And. Again, take solace if you're feeling bummed in your caps and take solace in that 2016 title. It's the best advice I have for you. Cheers, y'all.